Welcome back to Biblical Book Review. I'm Kevin. I'm Alec. And I'm George. We are so happy you are joining us for today's study. Last week in the Galilean crisis, we looked at the miracle. This week, what part of chapter 9 are we looking at, George? Well, A.B. Bruce divides this uh, particular chapter into four sections, and section 2 deals with the storm on the Sea of Galilee. Now, when Jesus sends his disciples away, there's an interesting uh, little tidbit that A.B. Bruce kind of brings into our under minds is he's trying to protect the disciples from what we would call peer pressure. And so the idea that the multitude wants to make Jesus king by force and and they've got this idea of Jesus, you know, setting up a kingdom here on this earth and everything else is going to be uh, tied to that kingdom. And Jesus doesn't want his disciples uh, in, you know, in close proximity to that dangerous enthusiasm is how A.B. Bruce has it. So today we're going to look at this storm, the physical storm that's found uh, there in Mark uh, chapter 6, as well as Matthew 14 and John 6, uh, where Jesus comes to his disciples uh, walking on water, Peter sort of leaves the boat, and so there's all kinds of interesting little tidbits of information about this particular storm. Yeah, and that the, the Sea of Galilee really isn't a sea. It's not very big. 13 by 8 miles? I mean, that's not really, I mean, in reality, we have lakes in Colorado that are bigger than that. <laughs> yeah. Right? But, and then you think about a storm. I've been on those lakes with my father fishing. And then we have a storm just blow in. And here we have, you know, Mercury 250 to get us across back to the harbor. But still, I thought I was going to die several times. And I had a motor plowing through. I can't imagine being out there rowing. Yeah. And, you know, A.B. Bruce kind of describes the, the climate and how the how the lake is situated there where it's, you know, several thousand feet of vertical drop down into this basin of water that's below sea level and how it's, you know, perfect to set up these kind of tropical storms on this lake. And I can just imagine, you know, I've been in some, uh, <laughs> some, some storms on the, on the water or, and I've just been in, you know, whitewater rapids and just kind of being in, in uncontrollable water just really can be very frightening at sometimes. And I can just imagine where they, their minds are. And then these, these men that were fishermen, they're used to being on the water and it just, they're frightened by it. Uh, that should uh, tell you just how impressive this storm was that they're in. And the, the bomb tech that's running away that has the shirt on says, if I'm running, you better be too. <laughs> <It's> like, <yeah. laughs> that's the, that's the idea. These fishermen are afraid. Oh, you would be petrified. Yes. And as Jesus is there, you know, in prayer through the whole night, he looks down, <clears throat> and I love I love how the description is found there on page 129 as the general uh, watching from a height, and he sees the problem, he sees the battle that's out there, and how these how his closest followers may be lost, you know, to a, a boating accident. I mean, this could be horrible. He could he lose all twelve. In one fatal swoop, and the captain of salvation, A.B. Bruce says, is equal to the emergency. Yeah, the, the fact that Jesus was able to look out at them, that kind of sets up the whole analogy of bringing it to modern time. Jesus watching us 
struggle against the storms of our life. And then we're going to get into it here and how he comes to the disciples and how he does that. There are so many different ways we can take this particular lesson and apply it to us today in, in our modern lives and how we need to act during the storms of our lives. Yeah, and also, and maybe Bruce also points out something that I may have never thought of before, this idea of Jesus going through a spiritual storm at this time. He's up on the on the mountain. He's overlooking his disciples that are, you know, in physical danger. He's trying to get them away from a spiritual uh, danger with their peer pressure that we were talking about of them setting up him as a earthly king and him looking forward towards Garden of Gethsemane and his crucifixion and all of this that's happening, this storm of life that Jesus is involved in at the moment uh, and just how... Um, how powerful this this moment must have been for him up on the mountain praying and then looking out and seeing his disciples in physical harm as well as spiritual harm and all sorts of uh, different types of emotions that must have been going through uh, the mind of Jesus at this time as well. The literal storm succeeded by a spiritual storm. And it's coming, and Jesus, of course, can see it, and... The sign, this, uh, this emblem, as A.B. E. Bruce describes it there on page 130, he says, uh, there's, there's going to be this storm of unpopularity. Uh, people are turning away in disgust from his teaching, and he knows it's going to happen, and it's, it's not going to get much better. It's going to get much worse. And he sees it coming, and he wants to uh, kind of brace for this, and he wants to get his closest followers, these disciples that have been following him for three, three and a half years or so, he wants them to be prepared of, for this spiritual storm. And I love the, the phrase there at the bottom of 130, <clears throat> where A.B. Bruce says, the tornado of apostasy. And, you know, the destructive force of a tornado and of storms, uh, but the idea of describing this tornado as this tornado of apostasy and of course Jesus can see how that's going to affect these 12 men as well as and as Kevin mentioned earlier uh, all the way down here to the 21st century how it can affect us as well and so we can learn some valuable lessons on how Jesus uh, calmed the storm how he saved his disciples when Peter actually literally said Lord save me we can we can cry out and expect the same result. Yeah, apostasy for those who didn't. I had to actually look this one up when I was reading it. Is the abandonment for re, of a religious or political belief? So that's what apostasy means. So the tornado of abandonment. <laughs> yeah, and it's so it, it's so ridiculous when we read it sometimes because you know just a couple verses before these people were. They want to make him king. They're, they're, they want him to be their ruler, their leader, and all these different things. And then Jesus looking forward into the future and seeing the the destruction is happening and the confusion in his disciples' minds here and this tornado of apostasy that is happening there uh, of them abandoning their, their faith and thinking too physical and not thinking spiritual uh, in nature. And then they're caught in this 
actual physical storm, and Jesus rescues them physically, but he's more focused on the spiritual. I mean, there's there's this confusion that can be happening amongst the disciples, uh, and you know what what can we learn from this? What can we uh, glean from this type of uh, lesson? Is you know our physical storms, our our, our storms in our lives uh, that we live. Uh, we reach out for spiritual uh, rescuing, and sometimes the physical rescuing is not is not there. But as long as we are uh, connected to Him and we don't abandon our faith, uh, we can stay connected to uh, the Savior. <laughs> yeah, and I found it you know a connection here too. They were they didn't understand fully what was happening, and they're going through this hard time. We can be going through spiritually hard times because we may not fully understand or be at the level of maturity we need to be at. Back then, they didn't have the perfect word in front of them. They didn't have the scriptures. They had to be taught through parables and through lessons and through these miracles. Well, now all that's done. We have the canon. We have the scripture. Well, now we have people that are confusing it and muddying the waters, and sometimes that can lead us into spiritually hard times. But what do we need to do? We need to be like the apostles. We need to keep rowing and keep looking for Jesus. And that the symbolic significance of, of the storm, when it happened at night, and Jesus wasn't with them, and they couldn't make any progress. And so A.B. Bruce kind of gives that uh, detail to us in page 131. He says, here's what, here's what happened. Here's when it happened. Here's how it happened. And when we think of our struggles. When is it the worst? Well, maybe he says trials of faith always happen in the night. And it may not be in the darkness and literal nighttime, but it is one of those things where we're away from the light. And of course, Jesus is the light. He says, I'm the light of the world uh, there. And he's teaching about that. And trials of faith happen when we're we're not with him and when he's absent. And so when the, the disciples there are fighting that storm, Jesus is on a mountaintop far away from them and he's not with them. And of course, when Jesus is not with us, it becomes a struggle. And then the continuing metaphor where they're making no progress. Well, sometimes... Just the ability to hold our own against the world, against the storms of, you know, Satan throws everything at us. If we can just hold our own, that can be progress. We're not backsliding. We're not slipping back. We're not falling down. We're not uh, abandoning our Lord. We're just holding our own, just as those disciples were that night. And so as A.B. Bruce kind of gets that into our into our minds he says the storm took place by night and number two in the absence of jesus and number three while it lasted all progress was arrested and so think of that as as you sort of make the the spiritual connection to the actual physical storm that happened with those 12 disciples yeah i like the way that ab bruce uh, says it here in that idea of standing still is is a good thing, <laughs> you know, standing against the uh, the world and its, uh, you know, its storms that it puts upon us. Because he says, for it is not always true that if we're not going forward, we must be going backward. 
This is an adage for fair weather only. In the time of storm, there is such a thing as standing still. And then, to do even so much is a great achievement. (laughs) This idea of just because we're not going forward does not necessarily mean that we are going backward. Standing against the storm is a great achievement. Uh, And these storms that come in the absence of Jesus, by night we can get discouraged and say, I'm not making any progress, spiritually speaking, I can't move forward. Well, don't get discouraged. Just standing firm is a great achievement, A.B. Bruce is saying here, uh, and not necessarily uh, making the progress that we want to make. Just stand firm in the faith. That's an achievement. Uh, The goal then is don't fall backwards. Don't let the storm push you over. Don't let these uh, things that happen in our lives cause us to abandon our faith and then fall backwards. Stand firm when you can't make progress. At least stand still. (laughs) Yeah, that way you don't get washed up on the rocks, right? There's a, a popular song from I don't know how many how long ago the whole Jesus take the wheel song. I don't know if you guys ever heard that one. No, mm-hmm. it's just. But I've heard the I've heard the saying quite often, and it popped in my head while going through this that the apostles didn't just let go of the oars and say Jesus take over. No, they still had to work, right? And I'm not trying to to if you like that song, I'm not trying to give you you know saying that's you know just an analogy. We can't just let go. And just say, hey, Jesus, save me. No, you still have to row. You, like Alec was saying, we have to still hold our own. George was saying, you have to stay in the fight. And then when Jesus shows up, is he going to take over? Well, no, you're still going to be rowing. He's just going to make it to where you're going to make some progress. And we see that here with the disciples. They're still having to do the work. Jesus just finally makes it to where they're making the progress. Paul would say something very similar in... Uh, when he wrote to the saints in Corinth, he would say, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. And so when when we think about the holding on and not making any progress across that, that really seemingly small lake, I mean, we call it the Sea of Galilee, but as was mentioned, we're we've got bigger lakes around us, but it's like, you're in a storm and you're holding on, well, endure and make the effort to be immovable. Hold fast. And spiritually, A.B. Bruce says on page 132, he says, you know, to keep off the dangerous coast, those rocky shores of immorality and infidelity. Don't, don't give in to the flesh. Don't give up your faith and pull and work until your arms are, are sore, until your back is is hurting and and that's what that's what is you know the description is there in the in the text they they worked all night and weren't even halfway across uh this this what we would call a tiny little lake they weren't even they weren't even making any progress but jesus says no you just wait and i will come and calm the storm and then landfall now you're there now you're where you are pulling for this is what you're working toward now you're there and jesus says you trust me and i love the the correlation between what paul writes there in first corinthians 15 58 and then what uh, jesus is describing here uh, as far as you hang on and you will make it yeah and then jesus didn't just pop into the boat alec and i were talking about this before we hit the record button 
And Ock goes, he didn't just pop into the boat because if he did, fishermen would have jumped out of the boat and then for surely they would have died. And I think that's a really good point that I didn't think about. Jesus approached from a distance and he was seen from a distance. And Mark even says in his account that he just intended to walk by. It's, that's what it seemed like. He was just walking on the water like he was just going to meet them on the other side. And they saw him coming from that distance and then making their way into his life. It wasn't just a, all of a sudden he was there to fix it. It was a slow approach. Otherwise, they would have just probably, like Alex said, jumped into the ocean and drowned. <laughs> <laughs> and the idea that, that Jesus isn't with them, there's a kind of a preparation for what is going to happen. Because while Jesus is with them and teaching them and with them every day, and, and you know, he's there providing the, the insight, the, the teaching, the the example, all the things that, that Jesus can do while he's there in flesh, there's a moment coming and Jesus sees it when he is literally going to be gone, when he is lifted from the earth there in Acts chapter 1. He knows it's coming, and so he's sort of getting them ready for his perpetual absence. And this will then become uh, the the time when, you know, what we say is the, the rubber meets the road when when you have to actually make a stand on your own. And so Jesus is making this preparation for them. And so he will deliver them. He will arrive. And he, he, as he walks by the boat on the water, we sort of uh, kind of haven't really thought about him just passing them by, but their superstition, their, their, their fear would have caused all kinds of problems. And so he has to make sure they understand who he is specifically. And then... Jesus says, uh, I'll, I'll provide the, the, uh, the way of escape. I'll, I'll provide the calm in the storm, and you got to trust me. And so I love the idea that there's going to be this deliverance in, in spite of the fact that Jesus will be gone for centuries. And we, he's been gone 21 centuries. And he, he stepped into eternities back in, in the heavenly places and we're still waiting for him. And so Jesus says, I want to prepare these disciples and all disciples for the fact that I will be gone and you'll have to be on your own, but you have to know that I'm still with you. It is I. Be not afraid. Yeah, and this surely produced uh, faith uh, in the disciples and in those of us that are reading this. And I like how A.B. Bruce kind of puts this here. In the middle of page uh, 132, he says, they, talking about the disciples, they probably concluded uh, when the storm came on that Jesus had made a mistake in ordering them to sail away across the lake while he remained behind to dismiss the multitude. The event, however, rebuked this hasty, hasty judgment, all ending happily. Their experience in this instant was fitted to teach a lesson for life not rashly to infer mis- mismanagement or neglect on Christ's part but uh, from temporary mishaps, but to have firm faith in his wise and loving care for his cause and people, and to anticipate a happy issue of all perplexities, yea, to glory in tribulation because of the great deliverance which should surely follow. <laughs> and so I, I can only imagine what the disciples may have been thinking. They're, they're out in the middle of the, this 
lake, you know, this sea, and the storm comes up, and they go, well, if Jesus was just here, he, he could fix the problem. They'd experienced him calming the storm before. They just experienced him feeding the 5,000. He's raised people from the dead. He's done all these miraculous events, and they're, in their minds they're saying, well, Jesus made a mistake. He sent us out here on this boat, and he should have never done that. Well, Jesus doesn't make mistakes. <laughs> he He purposely did this to teach a lesson of faith and the absence of Jesus and to prepare them for uh, future events when he will be gone. He will be uh, absent in the flesh, uh, but there in spirit, and they're going to have to rely on their faith to get him through the storms of life. And so Jesus teaching a lesson through this, even though they may have been confused during the moment, and he comes walking up on the water, and we haven't even talked about the the miraculous walking on the water. I mean, have you ever tried to walk on the water? Uh, once or twice. Once or twice, you yeah. go right to the bottom, <laughs> you know. But he he walks out there on the water and and he approaches from a distance, so he doesn't frighten them. And then he reassures them, and they call out to him. And then Matthew's uh, uh, gospel talks about how Peter says, "I want to come out on the water with you," and like all these things. And it's just this event uh, should built. Uh, faith in the absence of uh, Jesus being physically there with them and then have the understanding that what Jesus is doing and what God is doing is superior to what we have really understanding of. And we may look at it and go, this is confusing. Why would you do this, God? Why would this happen in this way? Well, God has a plan and a purpose, and we may not have an understanding of what it is just yet. But if we have the faith that he has our best interests in mind, uh, we can look forward in the future and then be able to look back and say, well, that's why this was happening. That's why this happened. That's why this happened. And go, okay, I understand now, God. (laughs) And when the wind stopped, the description of their amazement is found in the Gospels. And Mark kind of gives the idea that they were amazed beyond measure. And, you know, we, we've seen storms, we've been on the lake, we've been out, you know, in the storms and, and they, they come up pretty fast. They, they disappear almost as quickly, but just imagine you're in the thick of this horrible storm. You've been fighting it all night and all of a sudden it stops. And it's because Jesus told the storm to stop and they should have and you know we can we can lambast the the limited faith of these men because they'd been in the presence of God walking on earth for years now and they still didn't get it they still didn't the idea it wasn't even in their mind uh even though it had happened before they'd been out on the sea before and Jesus was asleep in the in the bow of the ship and in this little boat or whatever it was and he calmed the sea, and they should have remembered, but no, they didn't recall that. The storm had blown it all out of their mind, is how A.B. Bruce says it. Just They were worried about right now. And we can fast forward into our life here in the 21st century, and sometimes things get so bad that we forget who's really in control. We turn on the news, we see all the, the evil, we see all the troubles, we see all the strife. We see the hate, we see, we see it all, and we, we forget that in spite of these storms that just keep coming, we have to understand who's really in control. When Jesus says, stop to the storm, 
the storm stops and we have to trust him and we have to put our faith in him. And I love, I love how uh, the Gospel of Matthew brings out Peter's response. And for some of us, we, we are like that. We're, we're like this guy, this Peter, and it's like, if it is you, let me come out there on the, on the stormy waters. And, and if you've been out in, in the storms and you just imagine stepping off a perfectly good boat onto water, <laughs> Peter says, let me do that. And even though it's rash, impetuous, it's his nature, extravagant, reckless, that's Peter. And he says, if it is you, let me come out there on the water. And Jesus, well, it's really not the point of all this, but I'm going to let you come out. And yes, Peter, even though he is the one that says that the, the night before he's arrested, before Jesus is arrested, he's, I'll die for you. Uh -huh. Jesus goes, I know. I know everything about you, Peter, but I'm going to allow this so that you can begin to see what it's like to really rely on me. Well, and to fail too, because that's a, that's, I think how Peter gets where he is, is by failing. And this is one of those first times that he failed miserably with Jesus. He, and I like to point out the fact that he says, if it is you command me, because he knew he in himself, he could not walk on water, but he knows if God told him to do it or Jesus told him to do it, he could do it. So he's like, if it is you command me to do this. And then of course he goes out and then he, gets scared and sinks. Well, how many times I've done that in my life is kind of ridiculous where I'm like, all right, I see Jesus and I'm in a storm, but I guess what? I'm going to go out there. I'm going to go to you. And then I get in the middle of it. I'm like, what am I doing? And I start sinking. It's like, oh no, help. And I reach out and immediately Jesus, you know, he'll save you. If you call out to him, he'll save you from that storm in your life, from sinking in front of him. And it's just one of those this one really resonates with me because I, I do that too many times. I just jump out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and A.B. Bruce describes it. It's not faith, but simple rashness. It was a rebound of an impetuous, headlong nature uh, from one extreme of utter despair to the opposite extreme of extravagant, reckless joy. <laughs> uh, describing Peter's response to this, he's terrified of this uh, storm that's happening. And then he sees Jesus and then says, command me to come out there. And then it's, it's not just because it's not really because of his faith, his strong faith. It's mainly just because he is, you know, foot, he's got foot and mouth disease. <laughs> he puts it in his mouth and he, and he steps out there and he's, he's rash and he's reckless sometimes, but Jesus understands that about Peter. And then even though, like we're talking about, this is not the point of the lesson that Jesus is trying to teach. He allows it to happen and teaches Peter a personal lesson of relying on him, on relying on Jesus um, in the midst of the storm. Um, and then, unfortunately, Peter doesn't quite get it yet because we get fast forward to uh, the end. He's uh, there denying Christ. He steps out, you know, rashly and brashly, right, just like he did here on the boat, and says, "I'm going to die for you. I'm going to, I'm going to go to the cross for with you. I'm never going to abandon you." And then immediately, almost seemingly in the scripture, he's denying Christ three times, and then you get that scene of, uh, in my mind, of Jesus looking at Peter, and then just the utter despair of Peter in that moment of, "I can't believe I did it again," because he, I, I bet you, he's thinking back towards 
these times where he said, command me, I'll, I'll be there for you. And then failed. And it's like, I'm never going to do that again. And then does it again. <laughs> and then it's just this constant learning from his mistakes. Uh, but then, you know, Peter becomes major importance of uh, our Christian faith uh, because of his example and his, um, you know, brashness, his headlongness <laughs> to, to want to step out there and, and do uh, the work for Christ. Uh, it, it's a good example to follow, uh, even though he can have some some bad character traits as well. He got the nickname Rock for a reason, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, it, it's one of those things that he was there, though. He was the one that stepped out. Where, where were the, the other apostles step out on the water? No, they didn't do that. Did the other apostles follow Jesus to that point where he ended up denying? No. Yeah, the following him and denying was exactly like walking out on the water then starting to sink. And it took a few of those times for it to be like Peter was like, never again. I will not do this anymore. I am so ashamed of myself. And unfortunately, with that boldness, with that um, rashness, also comes pride and confidence. And until that gets shattered, it's really hard to fully rely on Jesus. And I love how A.B. Bruce sort of sums it up about Peter. In the bottom of page 134, he who was so courageous on deck and so timid amid the waves was one of all the disciples most likely to talk boldly when danger was not at hand and then play the coward when the hour of trial actually arrived. And there's one, there's a passage that I immediately thought of uh, while I was reading this, and it, it's all the way back to 1 Kings chapter 20. Uh, rarely, if ever, do I ever quote from King Ahab. But King Ahab of, of Israel had this to say, Let not him who girds on his armor boast like him who takes it off. And you think about that in the battle that we're in. There's, there's individuals that will say, I will be faithful no matter what. And they'll talk this great talk, and it sounds impressive, until there's a battle. <laughs> and the ones that we need to be listening to are the ones that have actually gone into the battle and have returned, and even though they're, they're all upset and they're, they're wounded and they're, there's all kinds of issues that they're, they're struggling with, we can listen to them because they're taking their armor off and they're saying, well, here's, here's what happened to me. Oh, I'm not a hero. I'm, I just, the one that survived. I'm, I just did my job. You ever, you ever hear those guys that come off the battlefront and they, and everybody's praising them for being a hero. And they say, no, no, I, I wasn't a hero. I, I'm just the one that happened to walk away and I just did my job. Yep. That's what Jesus wants from us. And so, Peter needs to learn that lesson. And sometimes, like, like me, like some of us, uh, we're slow learners. And so, you know, be patient with yourself and allow God to work, work you over. And then when you are in the battle, understand who really is in control. And then when you do succeed, it's because of what God has done through you, not because of what you did, but because of what God does when he lives in you. And I think we need to remember too that it's a it's a endurance race. We've made that analogy many times. And for those who don't know, I I enjoy long endurance efforts. It's one of those things that I've 
really got addicted to, unfortunately, because it does take up a lot of time and I drag people into it like Alec. (laughs) (laughs) But one of those things that I I really (laughs) enjoy about it is I can't just go out and, you know, perform some of these things right away. I have to train for them. I have to get ready for them. But the whole time I'm going through it, I always question myself in my head, why am I doing this? Why am I pushing myself? Why am I going through all this pain? And you almost, you talk to anyone who's done, you know, ultra events. It's like you live a lifetime of emotions in a day. You're just all through all these different things. And then when you finally get to the end of that race and you cross that finish line, it is so much better because of how hard it was. The fact that it was so hard makes that finish line so much better. And our life is going to be so hard. We know it's going to happen. We know we're going to go through these spiritual storms. We know we're going to have to rely on Jesus. We talk about all these different things and our ways to get through these storms, but we need to keep in the back of our minds that when we get to that finish line, the hard, all these hard times are going to make it that much better. So the harder you go through things here, the better it's going to be when you get to the finish line. And I know that's a hard thing to keep in your mind when you're in the midst of the trial, but knowing that, yeah, this really, really, really stinks. But guess what? It's going to make that finish line so much sweeter. Yeah, it just reminds me of what Jesus says in in John chapter 16, verse 33. He says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation. But take courage, I have overcome the world. Jesus promises tribulation, trouble, storms of life. It's going to happen. And if it hasn't happened to you yet... (laughs) Uh, buckle up. You know, it, it's going to happen. Uh, and Jesus said it, uh, but we have courage because Jesus also promised in the same verse, I have overcome those storms. I've overcome that trouble. I have conquered death, Jesus says. And so we have this this peace that we can have, this peace of mind and this understanding that and our faith can be based on on, on him because he's gone through the storms and came out the other side, and we are called to follow him. Uh, and so we have these storms in life. They're going to happen. Uh, it's a guarantee. That's a promise from Jesus. But the other promise is it's overcome. We can get through it as long as we stand firm. We don't fall back. We don't abandon our faith because of it. Uh, because if we abandon our faith, we just abandon everything. It'd be just like Peter stepping out on the water and then not reaching up for help. And just drowning right there when Jesus is standing right there. It's like, well, too bad. You know, it's like, no, what did Peter do? He reached out, he grabbed it, and he made it through the storm. Just keep rowing and keep your eyes out for Jesus because he's on his way. We leave you with these questions. To date, what is the greatest trial or test of faith you have experienced? With that in mind, did you lose hope? Did you hold your own or did you go backwards? Where was Jesus? What lessons did you learn from that trial? Thank you so much for joining us for this week's study. 